My name is David, in case you don't know me, and uh, I'm from CMS, and if you, if you fancy my, um, my very trendy mask and not those old boring surgical ones that you're wearing, uh, somebody has made some of these masks and uh, donated them to CMS, so if you'd like one, and like, you can have one, otherwise you can give us a donation on the table in the, in the hall, but all, all that money would go to uh, keeping our missionaries on location. Uh, yeah, I also want to commend the checkpoint to you. There's prayer diaries as well, um, which give you uh, like an expose of what all our missionaries are doing in different parts of the world. I really uh, encourage you to take one. They're free, and if you want to be on the list to receive them once a year, you can, uh, you can, you can do that on the list uh, outside as well or in the hall. Anyway, why don't we pray? Father God, thank you so much for the privilege of, of being together and reflecting on who you are and especially who your son is. Please empower us by your spirit to hear, to understand, to believe and to obey and to be uh, immensely moved by what your scripture tells us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, our family had uh, the great privilege of uh, being in this diary once upon a time as one of the CMS missionary families. We were working in a country called Namibia, which is in Africa, and uh, we worked in the distance department of a Bible college. We worked in a rural area. We were helping people understand who Jesus is. Uh, that's the CMS vision, a world that knows Jesus. And we were wanting, uh, there were many church leaders who perhaps didn't have a really solid grasp of the gospel. We wanted them to understand the Bible more clearly, the gospel more clearly, and to be able to teach others. And one day, one of my family members, not my nuclear family, but uh, a more wider family, asked what we were doing. So I explained. And they listened. And after a while, they said, what a waste. What a waste. Surely, Namibia is a poor country. Surely, all their money could have been used to help feed hungry people. Surely, uh, better medical services could have been provided with some of that money. Surely, better drinking water could have been provided. Surely educational service services could have been provided. What a waste. <clears throat> well, I certainly don't like waste. Maybe you don't either. Uh, I don't like to see taps dripping around. I don't like to see lights left on. And I can get very cranky if I see my kids throwing food away. Don't know if anybody can relate. And I don't like them wasting time. Because I'm a saint in that area, I never waste time. But in fact, we, we actually do throw food away, don't we? It's waste, waste is a relative thing. And we learned this in Namibia. We would throw some food away and then hungry people would actually come and dig in the, the waste bins and eat what we had thrown away. Another thing that happened in Namibia was, uh, was a flood. Even though Namibia is a desert country, there was a, a flood once and this was uh, 
700 kilometers north of the capital, and people were displaced, put in tents, and appeals were made for food, and a certain company trucked up uh, a whole lot of wheat bicks to help these people. And everyone was very happy until somebody looked at the box or the boxes and discovered that they were two weeks expired, two weeks kind of past their expiry date. So there was a lot of scandal and public shaming and this, this particular company was forced to send up their trucks and collect all the wheat picks and take it back down again to the capital and throw it on the tip. What a waste. Well, it wasn't such a waste because, of course, there are people, poor people who live off the tip. So they had a feast. God works in mysterious ways. But in the light of the needs of the world, is it appropriate to have a vision for a world that knows Jesus, particularly in the economic uh, needs that have arisen due to COVID? Is Bible-based, gospel-focused ministry wasteful, especially when it costs so much money? We have a lesson to learn from Mark chapter 14. I do encourage you to keep your, or to open your Bibles uh, page 826 in the church bibles mark chapter 14 we'll reflect on that passage that was read from the new testament it was two days before the passover that feast that we heard about in the old testament reading Uh, this is uh, a dinner happening in bethany a little village a, a, a few kilometers outside of the center of jerusalem and there's a sinister plot happening a plot to arrest and to put Jesus on trial and kill him. And everything is going well in Simon the leper, who's putting on the dinner, until a woman comes in and pours this very, very expensive oil on Jesus' head. It's called nard or spike nard. It comes from somewhere in Central Asia over many thousands of kilometers. It's worth a year's wages, 300 denarii. I try to Google what is an average Australian wage. Uh, It's very hard to work out, depending on where you are and what's your demographic. It could be anything from 20K to 80K. Um, And obviously, we are much more wealthy nowadays than uh, those people would have done. But comparatively speaking, imagine $20,000 to $80,000. Imagine you appreciate... Uh, say, for example, Kieran's ministry, you like him so much, so somebody decides they're going to take their savings and, and worth $20,000 and pour it on his head and make a nice smell in the church. Would you be pleased? I'm not too sure. We could install air conditioners for that amount of money, couldn't we? But maybe that would be a waste. It's like for once a week. But why would people even have this stuff? Well, it was an investment. It was a way of keeping their money safe. There weren't uh, uh, reliable fund managers and investment brokers. Uh, So families would buy these kind of things and, uh, and they would keep their value. And an inheritance would be passed down from parents to children in such a jar of oil. And this woman is probably what, who we know as Mary of Bethany, the sister of Martha, 
uh, and uh, the sister of Lazarus. And what she's doing is she's pouring the family inheritance, maybe the whole family inheritance, in a bottle onto Jesus' head. And the disciples are shocked and appalled. And they're saying this money could have been given to the poor. This is a lot of meals for poor people. Probably just exactly what we would have done. Well, what does Jesus think? He says, verse 6, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has performed a good service or a beautiful thing for me. For you will always have the poor with you, and you can show kindness to them whenever you wish, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for its burial. So Jesus clearly doesn't think this is a waste. Surprisingly, uh, in the light of his teaching about the necessity to care for poor people and his denunciation of the rich who didn't care and rather uh, exploited the poor. Why? Why is it not a waste? Now remember, there's a plot to kill Jesus. We saw that in uh, verse 1. It's likely that most people knew about the plot. The Bush Telegraph would have been hired at work and people would have known that the authorities are looking for a way to arrest Jesus that won't uh, evoke protests. What could she do? She believed in him as the Messiah, the king of her people. She couldn't stop this inevitable thing. She couldn't change the minds of the Jewish authorities. They were the one who'd started the plot. They were the ones that wanted Jesus dead. She couldn't warn Pilate, the Roman governor, because they wouldn't listen to her. So Jesus said she did what she could. What was she doing? She was honoring him in the most profound way possible, knowing him to be the Messiah and knowing that he was going to die She was honoring him. And perhaps more than that, she knew perhaps in some way that his death would be a death not for himself, but for her, for the disciples, and for many. And she's wanting to not only privately honor him, but publicly honor him. Because she knew that who he was and what he was about to do was worth more than all the wealth in the world. So she's proclaiming what he, who he was and what he came to do in the most lavish way possible. And in a planned way. You can imagine that these bottles of nard are easily recognizable. Remember, they are at the house of Simon the leper. They're not at her own home. So she's had to carry this bottle somehow to the house of Simon the leper. She's maybe been thinking about this for days or weeks. She's thought about what the consequences from her family would be if she does this. She's had to hide this under her, under her cloak and stealthily make her way from her house down the alleyways to Simon's house and then do it. So she's proclaiming who Jesus is 
and what he came to do in the most lavish and planned way possible. And was it wasteful? No. Because Jesus is infinitely more valuable and worthy than anything that we could possibly imagine. And understanding the significance of his death and resurrection for us is the most important thing that we will ever do in our lives. So this passage is demanding for us that we do that, that we apprehend Jesus, perhaps for the first time or for a a new time, who he is and how valuable and how important and how critical his death is for us in our relationship with God and in the renewal of our lives. We must do that. And secondly, which is really an outflowing of that, we would want other people to share in that, to share in knowing and understanding the value of Jesus and the value of his death. So look what Jesus says in verse 9. He says, Truly, I tell you, wherever the good news is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in remembrance for her, in remembrance of her. Jesus, knowing he will die, knowing he will rise again, is predicting world mission. And he's anticipating and prophesying that everyone who understands him as she has done will do exactly the same thing. They will want to see Jesus proclaimed in a lavish way, not only in their own local group, but throughout the whole world. It is November 1882. CMS is busy establishing a mission in Nigeria, what is known now as Nigeria, a place where there are profound health risks and many tropical diseases with no cure. And there's a group of seven about to depart, a bishop and his wife, some clergy and some lay people. And after two months... The committee is meeting and they hear some news. The bishop and his wife are dead. And then one after another, as they meet, they hear news of the next person who's died and the next person and the next person until eventually only one is left and they are all absolutely gutted. But the committee sets about recruiting more people, more pastors, And uh, as they prepare to leave, there's a gathering and somebody is giving an an address. And he says this, Some of you may ask, might not the men who have given their lives for Africa have done longer and more more useful work in our home church? Why this waste? Brothers, Let us not take up the words from the mouth of Judas Iscariot. As a result of those missionaries and many others, Nigeria is is a place where you find the highest number of Christians in the world, more Christians than in all of Western Europe. Those missionaries proclaimed who Jesus was and what he came to do in the most lavish way possible. 
I want to thank you for your involvement in wanting to see Jesus proclaimed, his personal worth and the worth of his death. Thank you for your involvement in Wakambizi. Thank you for uh, praying for CMS missionaries and uh, supporting them. And if you're not, why not do that? The space in your inbox is worth it if you subscribe to one of their newsletters. And you can do that at the table in the hall. The time you take once a week or once a month to pray for them is not wasted. And as you might get tired of reaching out to one of your friends or praying for them, just thinking how, just how wasteful it, it is because nothing's happening. It is not a waste. It is worth it. Even if it takes all your effort, please keep doing that. Jesus is infinitely worthy of your time, of your money, of your prayers, of your life. Why don't we pray? Father God, thank you so much for the example of this woman who did what she could in response to her understanding who Jesus is and what he came to do. May that impact us deeply this year and may we be moved by it to grow in helping others also know him. And we pray in his name. Amen.